This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, August 2nd. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. We are just a handful of days away from Notre Dame's camp opening. No uh, Culver this year opening at Notre Dame. We'll have a little bit of access on Saturday. We'll talk about that in a little bit, and we'll talk about some other things in the opening segment. But since we last convened, uh, the earth-shattering news of Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. It's not till 2025, but obviously there are serious repercussions. I want to throw this to Pete Sampson first with The Athletic because he has more of a national perspective. We'll talk about how it relates to Notre Dame and the ACC. But Pete, just your perspective and talking to the to uh, your fellow reporters on the national scene, just what their perspective is on on these two mammoth programs. And I, th- I say mammoth because I think Texas is going to be back with Sarkeesian uh, joining the SEC in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so much of um, the decentralized nature of college football where nobody's really sort of minding the sport, um, which is, you know, the, when the college football playoff expanded, I think we we're all sort of pleased that the sport sort of looked past the end of its own nose to figure out what's good for college football overall. Uh, with the 12 teams and group of five access, this is sort of the opposite of that. Um, you know, so it's, I think it's a matter of, you know, talking to, you know, whether it be Andy Staples or Bruce Feldman over there, people are a little more plugged in nationally than any of us. Like, you know, how soon it's going to happen. Doesn't seem like there's a rush for it at all. It's going to be sort of an awkward um, kind of uh, lame duck situation with Oklahoma and Texas and the big 12. And, there's just a lot of mistrust among, you know, is the, is the American athletic conference going to take big 12 teams or is the big 12 going to take American athletic conference teams? Is the PAC 12 going to take anybody? Um, but I, I think one of the noteworthy sort of shifts from where we were 10 years ago is that what's driving realignment now is, is not what was driving it then back then it was media markets and cable packages and making sure the Big Ten Network had a foothold on the East Coast in Maryland and New York area, making sure the SEC had a foothold in St. Louis. Um, so that that doesn't matter as much anymore. No, now it's just brands. Uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are huge. Notre Dame is huge. And so I think that, you know, it's sort of a, the notion that everything has been destabilized and conferences are going to go to 16 teams it's just not true because um, you're not you're not going to expand unless there's something in it for you and being and what's in it for you now needs to be a, adding a program that brings eyeballs, not cable packages. So Oklahoma and Texas make perfect sense. The Big Ten adding Iowa State does not. Um, the Pac-12 adding um, Baylor does not. Um, the ACC adding Notre Dame obviously still does like that. That rule still holds. But. It's um it's an interesting time, but yeah, it's overall just kind of a bummer for college football, frankly. Yeah, because what's good for the SEC is bad for everybody else. And now I know people have said, well, when Notre Dame signed their football their uh, TV contract with NBC, what was good for Notre Dame was bad for everybody else. And I get that, but the magnitude of this with the SEC and their three billion dollar contract with ESPN, um, you know, it, it's it's bad for everybody. Tim, let me throw it to you. Just, I mean, how do you? you know, the, how this impacts ACC. And as you said, Pete, yeah, you know, they, the ACC would love to have Notre Dame. Notre Dame still, I think is on pretty firm ground as an independent, as long as they have their TV deal and they have their brand and they have their access to a national championship and all the things that are in place. If they have all those things and Clemson, isn't jumping to the SEC. I, I was on a few radio shows this last two weeks talking about this. I mean, Notre Dame is a much bigger brand. They're not a better program, but they're a much bigger brand than Clemson. Clemson wouldn't even be in our discussion six years ago for this. Like Florida State was a brand for 30 years. You know, Clemson will be a brand for a very long time. I'm I'm not saying that, but it's the Oklahoma-Texas thing. As soon as I heard that, the new, I was like, oh my gosh. And my whole my thought was, this is bad for college football, not Notre Dame's not going to be independent. Or what's the ACC going to do? I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. And it, that Pete, that's – and, Tim, that's exactly what it is. It's bad for college football. I don't think in any way it's a death knell for the for Notre Dame unless something just goes – for their independence, uh, unless something just goes crazy with if, – if the, if the SEC makes Clemson and Florida State deals, they can't refuse. The ACC looks pretty weak in football, right? 
And why would Notre Dame join that, as Pete points out? And really, and really kind of, I mean, joining that at all. Clemson, yeah, I mean, outside of Clemson, really getting weaker. Yeah, and I don't, I, I keep throwing Florida State out there because they were a top five team for 18 straight years and a top 20 program for 35 years. I know they've been bad for four years, but once again, a lot of teams are bad for four and years. And imagine how, imagine how the following schools felt when they heard the news. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, which has been struggling forever. Mississippi, yeah. Mississippi State. Kentucky, which is, you know, at a borderline good, you know, middle right. of the pack. Could be, could be okay. I mean, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is, you can't be very excited if you're Clark Lee and you hear that Oklahoma and Texas are joining the damn conference well, too. Well, Missouri too. I mean, Missouri escaped right. that situation and <laughs> recruiting to get to the SEC. Yeah. I am. Uh, I think one of the things that fascinates me, like the big picture here, is like, at what point does the SEC turn to Vanderbilt the way the and just say like, yeah. why are we splitting money with you again? Like, there's no there's no point for Vanderbilt to be in the SEC at that point. Um, and that's I I just wonder if we're going to get to a point where. There's almost like the NFC and the AFC of college football, where the SEC is one super conference. The Big Ten is the other super conference. The Pac-12 is absorbed, uh, whether it be USC, Oregon, Washington, Ohio State, Michigan, Notre Dame. And sort of like essentially you have two super conferences because there's not going to be four super conferences because there's no. not enough teams to fill them out. Not um, anymore. Not, there can't yeah. be now. They're, all, they're yeah. all in one conference. Where, you know, Clemson and Florida State go to the SEC – the Big Ten and Pac-12, sort of like they poached the Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA. Notre Dame is in that group, too. Um, you know, maybe North Carolina hops into one of them. And then you just like, but then, you know, if you're, if what's, I, I guess I don't know. The next step would be like teams getting kicked out of their own conferences since they're not competitive yeah. enough. Like Vanderbilt's not adding anything to the SEC. And, you know, like I find it speculating about this stuff that's going to, I mean, it's going to actually transpire in 2025. I mean, the, 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 yeah, it, there yeah. are so many, there are so many moving parts over so much time that to, yeah. to speculate as to, you know, what's going to happen with this conference and who's going to go where. We've got four years of that coming up to a large extent. It's um, funny, um, to, just to throw this kind of a non sequitur, but it's on the topic. Um, I'm on a lot, an Alabama radio station a lot i think because i picked alabama to beat notre dame so they keep having me back to talk about uh <laughs> football it's not the sec but their first squad on a limb yeah exactly that's probably the only their first question or the the basis of the conversation was supposed to be will notre dame join the sec and of course i was like, like no they're, they're not i don't think that's their next step but it was funny because it was teased with when when it showed up in twitter it was teased with is the SEC the best conference for Notre Dame? And I was like, we discussed that for four seconds. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it's just people. And then, like, people all want to know what conference are they going to join? Like, well, if they're joining one, it has to be the ACC, unless Absolutely. something goes crazily wrong, which, Tim, as you pointed out, something could go crazily well, wrong for the next yeah, five that's years. Why, and that that's happens. why I'm yeah. like, what's going to happen? I, well, I'll I tell you, <laughs> four years and a million moves from now. And I do know I will say, like, I was S- just going to say, like, let's imagine Clemson and Florida state leave and the ACC sort of collapses for football. Like if you're Notre Dame, I don't want to say you're that's you're fine with it, but it's not your Olympic sports still have a home. You still have some scheduling uh, with, you know, some ACC opponents. Um, In some ways you, you, you have, yeah, I disagree with what Priester said a little bit. The fact that while this is bad for the ACC, I don't necessarily mean that. I think that means it's bad for Notre Dame because I, I think now Notre Dame has more leverage over the ACC than they've ever had. Um, so from a selfish point of view, if you're Notre Dame, I think you would look at it and be like, your position is stronger relative to negotiating. The ACC needs Notre Dame more now than it did two weeks ago. Yeah, they do. But if, if Clemson and Florida State and Miami aren't in the ACC anymore, that – that's not, not good. great. Yeah. No, that's not good. That's not good for Notre Dame. But anyway, uh, we have four years to talk about that. So stick <laughs> with us. And uh, we'll hey, there's some other to- there's some other topics on this we've been talking about for four years coming to fruition on this podcast today. So look down the chart; you can see a name. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Well, we do want to we do want to uh, bring up the name of Jordan Batello because a lot of rumors have been flying about his status with Notre Dame. I spoke with a Notre Dame official this morning. You know, one thing that, I, I mean, I had heard something about an NCAA testing, which I'm told by Notre Dame that did not happen. Um, so I don't really know. I don't, that's, a good, you know that's a good thing, though. 
That's that a is point. a good thing because if he were tested for, for I'm just saying, for example, if you were tested for PDs by the NCAA and tested positive, that would be really, really bad. I mean, that would that would be the end of his right. season. I don't. I, I. We're not in a position to say exactly what has happened. I. I. I can speculate as to what hasn't happened, but I really don't want to get into any of that any further. You can go on uh, irishillustrated.com and see some of the, the the comments that were made uh, this morning, pinned to the top of the Four Horsemen Lounge. But I do want to talk about if, for some reason, mm-hmm. they don't have Batello, that's that's a significant blow to the Viper end position, especially yeah. with talk of. Asita uh, Ekwanu having an Achilles problem. They had moved him from linebacker to Viper. Um, Devin Alpew left. Will Schweitzer had a serious injury during the summer. I, mean, I really think, Tim and I, you, Tim, you and I talked about this. I mean, your options are Justin Adamiola has played a little bit of Viper. Uh, you can move yeah. him over there. If Nana Safo Mensa is progressing his way, he looked in some s- snippets from the spring, then you could have him at the big end spot with Aaronsberger and, of course, MTA. But it's not an ideal situation at all if they don't have Batello. And, and I know Marcus Freeman has big plans moving Batello around yeah. uh, to create havoc for the defense. You know, I, I tried to outline it here Monday Musings. It's the, it'll be in there soon. Um, I mean, Justin Adamiola is the short-term fix because he's a really good backup. On the strong side, he's played the role before. But he's also grown into the big end role. He's much better defending the run and kind of – securing the edge at scrimmage. He makes a lot of plays against the run. I cannot see him dropping into coverage and covering Hunter Long, uh, for an example, like Isaiah Foskey was asked to do last year. The Viper position, they almost ask too much of it sometimes, I think, in man-to-man coverage. Well, I mean, Foskey's I a freak freak of nature with the arms and stuff, but it's it's tough. So I think they would really pare it down to that short, flat coverage. Can Justin Admiola do it? And I threw it out there because he's a guy that, in his package role last year, Maris Leofau, did two things. He blitzed, although not off the edge, and he dropped into short flat coverage. So he's a guy that if you're trying to cobble something together for 10 snaps, will probably be looked at. Yeah. If you, if you, excuse me, Pete, if you, if you move Justin Adamiola to Viper, you're not going to, you're going to ask him to stop the run and rush quarterback. You're not right. going to you ask him to him do drive. other things. You that. cannot right. have him. And Marcus so. Freeman won't do that. He has the personnel. Look, he, he has a very deep and talented, linebacker core he has the personnel to to you know some buttons to push there so but again that's it's uh, we're speculating about something we don't know for sure something has a situation has arisen arisen with Jordan Botello I don't think we can answer this at least until Saturday when we first meet with Brian Kelly and even then it may it may just be a little bit open-ended Pete I'm sorry no I I agree with what you're everything you said. And I think that Isaiah, like O'Malley referenced Foskey as a freak of nature. Like he, he looks the part, but producing it is something different entirely. Uh, oh, I sure. He's got, but you, he's got I, a yeah. huge improvement he needs yeah. to make. And you can at least ask him <laughs> to do those yeah. things with his athletic ability. Yeah. But now it's just like, that's a big, big jump. Um, and I mean, I, I like the idea of Botella and Foskey rotating for Notre Dame's sake. Hopefully that can still happen. Um, but if it's just Foskey, then it's you're, you're kind of in a tough spot. And I think, you know, I, I, I feel like I remember a lot of video from the spring where Botella was lined up everywhere and it wasn't, you know, it yeah. wasn't necessarily, you know, in a true defensive end spot. It was in a two point stance in and around the line of scrimmage where you can really take, you know, you remember that, Coming out of high school, Patella was listed as an inside linebacker. I'm not right. suggesting he's going to play inside linebacker, but you have options with him to move him around and do things, and it would be a serious blow. So we will report that the best that we can uh, without having a libel lawsuit thrown against and, us, which, and, which, which a lot of anonymous people think that we should just go ahead and throw out whatever thing we hear and whatever happens to us happens to us. And speaking of um, reporting it, I have a feeling we talked about this just prior to going on the air that Brian Kelly will abide by student privacy laws and not give us a full answer Probably. on Jordan Botello. And we just have to, as Pete said, see if he lines up when we watch the defense over the course of August, and then we'll yeah. have some idea what's going on. There will be, we're going to wrap up here. There will be in this first segment anyway, um, there are likely going to be some announcements this week uh, with some receivers on Notre Dame's recruiting list. C.J. Williams, I think, is scheduled for next Sunday. 
I don't know how firm a August 4th announcement by Tobias Merriweather is, but um, could be some good news coming. I, it, it, it will be tragic news if they don't get those receivers because the receiver situation recruiting is one of the very acute situations that they have in recruiting. Yeah, I mean, they need, they need both. That's, and I think that the class being good has both of them committed baked into it at this point. Um, you know, that's not, they are so in need of receiver help that not that you get both of those guys to break even um, in terms of competing at, at a college football playoff level. But, So I think I think that that will continue. We have a pooch in the background. Yes, <laughs> a squealing pooch. Well, wouldn't it be interesting if they the got Merriweather? Wouldn't it be interesting if they got Merriweather and, and C.J. Williams and then Amori and Walker left? Them? Yeah. I, <laughs> well, I mean, it's a trade you'll take. Oh yeah, as, you'll take, as, the, take as, that trade. As but, Pete likes to say, why not just have all of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a very real possibility, and <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Yes. That's exactly what they need. They, they certainly need some good news, some good offensive recruiting news, specifically at that position. We'll be back, segment two, burning up the boards. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. We are back with segment two, burning up the boards. First question from Drew Brennan, 77. Who are the freshmen who have the most buzz coming into camp outside, of course, Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler? I, you almost hesitate to say it because it's going to raise the expectations that he plays immediately. But, I, you know, I've heard some really positive things about Deion Colsey uh, at receiver as, as somebody that, uh, you know, at least in the summer has impressed them as a guy that can make an impact. I think we mentioned Jaden Thomas. I think Jaden Thomas – was mentioned by uh, was it Drew Pine that that brought him up about the, some of the things that that Jaden Thomas was doing. Um, you know, I, I I mean, I think everybody's excited about to see Prince Collie and and what he can do. Just physically, I think he's going to, I think he's going to strike a pretty impressive pose when we we see those guys beginning this weekend. Um, yeah, Deion Colsey is somebody that I was told about last week uh, from somebody in the Goog who I think would know. Um, Audrey Estime was physically impressive. Yes. Um, the other, you know, Joe Alt, we've talked about before, I feel like Notre Dame feels like they basically skipped a year in his development. It physically came in and looks now what they hoped he would look like a year from now. It helps being uh, the son of a 13-year NFL yeah. pro, whatever he was. De- defensively, um, JoJo Johnson, the best of the freshman defensive backs, but maybe not in a position to you know, be ready to play this year, but somebody that they're very excited about. And then a guy that I was not expecting to be mentioned at all because I, I thought it would be Prince Kali, but it wasn't, was uh, Kahunu Kia, who they feel like moves like a defensive back. You know, very – lean guy i mean somebody who needs time to grow into the position but um i think the guy of of that group that i think maybe stuck with me the most was colsey because i don't know his film was good but like the competition wasn't great um you kind of just wondered okay is this going to translate very well but i mean the the way that was phrased to me is like this will be a recruiting hit so that's if they if they know that already that's good and I think Estime and Thomas are clear, Jaden Thomas, are clear candidates as good football players for special teams, um, which gets you in the varsity door. And first of all, Brian, Brian Pullian mentioned Estime by name when we talked to him in the spring. That's a rarity for a guy not in. And Jaden Thomas is, just looks like a good football player. That doesn't mean he's going to go in there and catch two passes this year, right? But he could be a, mentioned, a, a member of the varsity, and that, that really gives you an advantage going the next year. Yeah. With Colsey, I wrote about it last week. Break down all the guys you have to beat out to play. I'm, I'm talking like Lorenzo Styles has to beat out in some manner the second tight end, Avery Davis, Lawrence Keys. They have to choose to take those guys off the field for Lorenzo Styles. Jaden Thomas has to beat out the X's and the W's. 
Deion Colsey basically has to have Kevin Austin not be 100% all of camp. And it's Kevin Austin, Joe Wilkins, and Deion Colsey. So if you're looking for a path to the field, it's not one we like. But Deion Colsey has the clearest path yeah. to the field because yeah. I got, there's yeah, less I, guys to beat up. I got to believe that Kari G is a guy that Brian Pulling's going to like as well. I think there's yeah. a lot of potential there, as again, as a special special teams guy. And we did not mention uh, for Buzz – I would like to watch Tyler Buckner compete after four months of uh, summer ball too. So I'm ready to watch Tyler Buckner throw. All right. There's the start of the buzz question from dad of the dad of the nineties. Do you expect to see, do you expect to see Jordan Johnson running with the first or second team? You know, I do think he will be with the second team, but Oklahoma, Tennessee, Auburn, and Florida all have transfers to central Florida's, wide receiver group this year. So that's a lot of guys to compete against. He's got an ex-Oklahoma receiver, an ex-Florida receiver, an ex-Tennessee receiver, an ex-Auburn receiver. And the Auburn receiver, I believe, was transferred twice. So in their two deep, they have five transfers. Wow. I wasn't aware of that. Jordan Unless Johnson. Unless you went Notre Dame. Unless you went no, Notre Dame. So just to clarify, Jordan Johnson is not still at Notre Dame. He didn't come back to Notre Dame. He's a great question. He's Central Florida. Thought I would uh, uh, include that of the 90s uh, humor there a little bit. Wash ND. With camp starting this week, do you expect every player to be full go? Or are there still some players that will have to take things slowly out of the gate? We know that Schweitzer, I mean, Schweitzer is the guy that comes to mind immediately. Well, actually, uh, Spears is the guy that comes to mind immediately. Not sure what his physical status is at this point. It may be something that they've, you know, you monitor over the course of the summer and then, if he can't go, then they, they decide then, you know, it's been, usually this is when you hear about medical retirements from Brian right. Kelly, that first sort of press conference or first post practice Hunter Spears being in that group, I think is what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But Schweitzer with the knee surgery he had, it was a, it was not an easy, um, not, it was, um, I shouldn't it was say a seri- it, was it was a, a serious second. knee injury. He's yeah. not ready for camp. Um, and if he's ready for camp to do something, he's not competing this yeah. year on the football field. Uh, because he's a true freshman that missed spring with surgery. That it's nonsensical at that point. But uh, yeah, we were here. Aquanu could be limited, um, and that would be well. Yeah, let me just so, throw up. I mean, Moala was Moala would be was limited. on the yeah. verge of practicing last year or, so, or uh, last spring in the spring, and so he should be okay. Kevin Austin, uh, we have a question about him. We'll we'll wait on that. Yeah. Brendan Clark, I think, is. Uh, should be ready to go. I don't think Kyle Hamilton has any limitations. Jarrett Patterson has nope. been ahead of schedule pretty much from the very beginning. Um, so, you know, Brian Kelly will clarify all these things for us on Saturday, but those are, those are some of the names to, uh, to keep in mind. I think of all those guys, Moala is the one where when Brian Kelly says he's hundred percent full go, people should still remember he'd be 11 months removed, a 10 and a half months removed from a ruptured Achilles tendon. So full go means he's cleared to practice. Well, and I would think, I would think yeah. Brendan Clark too. I mean, because he was dealing he, with a, a, re, a, a repair of an ACL. Um, right. Right. So, you know, I would, I, 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 <laughs> I left him off. Uh, I did the counting down on Jack Cohn, and I said he's going to leave after a year and leave the job to uh, the three quarterbacks, including Angeli. And I, I mean, it was literally out of sight, out of mind with mm-hmm. Brendan Clark. But I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that he's ready to go full go, considering what he was what he was dealing with. Next from Kaiser Wilhelm of Clemson and Florida State pulled out like Oklahoma and Texas from the Big Twelve. Would Notre Dame have grounds to withdraw from its ACC football arrangement? Similarly, if the ACC added a member, would that allow an opening for Notre Dame to renegotiate the football deal and throw its weight around a bit for concessions? Pete, go ahead. Huh, yeah, I don't have the, that contract in front of me. Um, <laughs> however, it would appear ba- if it's similar to what was happening with the Big 12 and granted rights, um, it doesn't appear that like you just rip up the contract if you have a membership change. Um, you know, there are contracts certainly like that. Um, I've been a part of the essential employee contract before, Yo. but um, it doesn't seem like that's the case with it, with the big 12. So I would think that the ACC would be something similar. I don't think, I mean, Notre Dame's going to throw their weight around with the ACC after the ACC gave them a football schedule last fall. 
I think that Notre Dame threw its weight around by saying, we're going to do partial membership. You're going to let us all our Olympic sports play here. We'll do you five. We'll give you five games, but no more. And while the gap between you and the SEC is now at pushing $20 million a year, we're not going to help you at all. And also, by the way, if we're worse than one of your teams, we're still going to take their bull spot. Thank you very much for playing. Yeah, yeah. and I, get, I, I just, you know, I, I, Notre Dame is is a partner with the ACC. They're not a they're not an interloper, who, you know what I'm saying. I mean, yes. I, I get, Notre Dame is a part of the ACC. They would work with the ACC. I, they're they're not they're not going to throw their weight around. Uh, I don't want. Also, like, where understand. where would they go? Like, they have to go somewhere, right? Like, that's like. The ACC is this is as good as it's going to get. It it is, and I and I don't think Clemson and I don't think Clemson's leaving for the SEC, and I don't think Miami or Florida State. I don't think that they're doing that. But it's twenty twenty one, and they're in. You have, yeah, they have four years to change. You could be mind. really wrong tomorrow, yeah. or really right in four years. One of the exactly. two. Exactly. CMU Pence fan. Who is the player on offense Notre Dame can least afford to lose to injury in camp? These next two questions are very timely because they made Monday musings. Tim, the Indispensables is coming out a little early ah, in Monday music. Oh, yes. look out, look out, look out. It's got, a, it's got a twist this year. But Michael Mayer is the answer to that for me. Uh, I think the whole tenor of the offense would change without Mayer. And I think Kyron Williams has better backups. I mean, more game ready, better backups and more game ready veteran backups. <laughs> mm, I would go, I think, just to be different, Jared yeah. Patterson. Because yeah. I I think that like once if you pulled that plug out of the line, I think it would all just come out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just starting somewhere and the best backup at the other two yeah. positions. You can sub out the tight end. <laughs> you can't sub out the left guard center or whatever position he's playing. Like you have to go with that. My two choices were Mayer and Patterson. So I'm thinking a lot along the same lines. I mean, Patterson removed from that offensive line would be pretty tragic <laughs> so not not to ruin music number six i believe it is but do we all agree there's one player on the football team that'd be worse to lose than those three guys we mentioned uh, yeah i mean you don't okay. want to lose you don't there want to lose go. kyle hamilton certainly and, and look if you lose if you do lose mayor you're i mean that, that's a guy that's going <laughs> to catch 60 passes. Yeah, it, it would be very I, bad it would be very yeah, bad it, it, would, it, it would you know it would be bad but you know you can say i mean certainly now looking at what could be happening at defensive end, you can't lose MTA. I mean, he's a guy that clearly yeah. looked like he had emerged in the spring as a guy that is going to solve that situation there. Kevin Austin is, I, I still think that, you know, if you don't have Kevin Austin, you don't have a big receiver unless you play the big receiver freshman Colsey. Yeah. And I just think that that's, that's really valuable. I, I want to say, I, I realize that Chris Tyree is, I mean, I think Chris Tyree is going to be a star at Notre Dame, but man, you just, the, the leadership that Kyron Williams provides beyond oh, just yeah. the physical approach that he takes is so significant. I think you would be losing a tremendous leader, maybe the best leader on the entire football team, maybe probably on the offense anyway. Next question related. Adam Cynthia seventy one. What role will Sebo Flemister play, and do you know how many games he will be suspended? Oh, I'm not. Well, he yeah, had a suspension I'm, pending. I'm not aware of a suspension. I don't think one is going to happen. Um, you know, I, it's the role is going to be pretty limited, probably pretty uh, difficult for him to get on the field, considering we know how much. I mean, we've been told how much they love Chris Tyree. They, I mean. T- Tommy Reese wants to get Chris Tyree on the field a lot. Um, and so the more reps he takes, the less Sebo Flemister gets. Yeah, I think Sebo's yeah. role will be like last year, right? I don't, you know, that, that depth chart is unchanged. Uh, and Sebo Flemister had a role that he was good at. And I think they would keep rolling with that. Yeah, he'll, I don't, I don't he'll think play he'll play somewhere much... next year. He'll play with somebody else next year. Right. He'll be a really good grad transfer yeah. at a team that's not as good as Notre Dame next year. But I, I don't think if this is disagreeing or not, I'm not sure, Tim. I don't think his role changes much from last year. I, I think he'll have almost as many snaps. He's just a tougher runner than Chris Tyree is. He's all, I mean, 223 of 294 yards gained after contact last year. That's incredible. They should probably use him more in short yardage situations. Yeah, and he was, guess what? Sebo Flemister was third in third down convergence on the football team last year as a number three running back. Kyron Williams, the great Michael Mayer. 
because he got him all at the end of the year, and Sebo Flemister. I mean, I think he'll be out there. He's oh, just you, not, you're including receivers in the every player on the offense last okay. year. He had more than he had. Wow. Yeah, he had uh, 33% more than any wide receiver, which is kind of tells the story of the season, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I just think, but I agree that he's not going to have an expanded role because he there's no expansion for him in with all the players that are coming up. In but I, I like him still. Yeah, no, I do too. I think he's a good football player. Unless there's injuries among the, the yeah, yeah. And on the suspension front, uh, he won a week out warrior award that was put out by the university's Twitter feed. So he is not overly suspended because they would not be putting that out there for a <laughs> guy that they are featuring. Yeah. Mac, uh, Mac three forty one. Who are you most excited to see on the field this year, and what is your expert expectation of them? Back as you know, I'm contractually obligated not to mention his name, so I will let somebody else go. But 520 days ago, I saw this guy have a really good practice. I'm ready to yeah. see that. <laughs> I did a list of the 10 guys I was most interested to see once fall camp started. Um, Kevin Austin was obviously on that list. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Patello was also on that list. Um, you know, if, if I had if I had to pick one, I mean, I'm just – I'm, I'm torn between Cone and Buckner, not the, in a comp, in a competitive kind of way. I just want to see what they've got. Um, Cone is the starter. Buckner is an, a potential number two who could, I want to see how, how close he could be ready to do something, um, not start just something. So, you know, quarterback's kind of a cliche answer, but they've got two of them who I think are really interesting. Yeah, I mean, Botello's in my top, would have been, in, or it still is in my top three. I mean, I want to see what what he's really fully capable of doing in Marcus Freeman's defense. Um, I, I have to say Cam Hart. I, you know, we've heard a lot of positive things about him behind the scenes and that, you know, he's a lot of people are considering him the starter already or he won the starting job in the spring. We'll have more clarity on that beginning this weekend, but I think Cam Hart's a very intriguing player on this team. And, and uh, you know, kind of going against the grain a little bit. I want to see what if what we saw of Osafa Mensa was, was real in the spring. And, again, we're dealing with 14 three-minute clips, but that's a lot right. of plays, and right. he showed up fairly frequently against backups, generally yeah. speaking. Um, so I want to see him. But I'm really interested in Cam Hart. And then – you know, all, I, I think we suspect what's going to happen with Patterson and Corral, but where exactly will they be lining up on Saturday when we see them? Right. That's a, that, I mean, Saturday is Patterson and Corral's lineup and Vitello's presence, but that's not for the whole spring necessarily for me. I, You know, I, I want to go – he finished the spring as such a focal point of the passing game. I want to see if Lawrence Keyes is still a focal point of the passing yeah. game. He yeah. was – I mean – you never ever thought of Lawrence Keyes as a guy getting targeted 15 times in a spring game like he did in that game. And I just want to, if he's really physically matured and everything and healthy, that he will be more of a weapon for them this year. Plus he's always good in August. So that's always fun for Lawrence Keyes. He's Mr. August. Question from any Davis too. any update on Kevin Austin, any word on who has been establishing chemistry between quarterback wide receiver tossing the ball this summer. You may have already kind of touched upon this a little bit. Yeah, just that it's going to be – it's a ramp-up for Kevin Austin. You and I have both talked to Tommy Reese about it. They're not expecting Kevin Austin to hit the ground running on, what, August 7th, August 8th, uh, and be at 100%. It's going to be sort of a, a reconditioning, a reacclimation process for him that may go throughout August, and we'll see where they are at that point. But that's that's the update, but that's been the update for, I think, the last couple of months. I'd like to see Kevin August, uh, Kevin Austin tear up. Purdue going into the stretch of difficult football games Notre Dame has after that. Cause I, I don't expect him to tear up Florida state. Now he does. I think Notre Dame's onto something this year offensively, if he hits the ground running for the opening game. Right. But if Kevin Austin's out there and he has eight catches or seven catches for 95 yards and a touchdown against Purdue, then you think, well, now Notre Dame's got something going at wide receiver to go with everything else. Yeah. We mentioned Colsey. We've heard good things about Colsey. I mean, I, I would imagine that, you know, I mean, at this stage of their careers, Lindsey Davis and Keys are there. Should be some there should be some chemistry going on. You know, the football field this summer. So um, we'll see. And it, it, it August is huge. You know, we saw yes. we saw Keys we saw Keys as a freshman the first couple of weeks. We thought he's going to play a significant role. What what 
we need or what Notre Dame needs to see is Lindsay and Keys performing on a yeah. daily basis throughout August. I mean, they've got the, they have to hit the ground running. And, you know, Austin, if you ease them in, I, I think I think he'll be we have heard nothing about any kind of setbacks. Right. So I think that he will be eased in, but that will that pace will pick up pretty clearly if there are no setbacks within the first you know, few days of practice. And I think the best thing for Lindsay is if we never hear Lindsay was limited in practice because of a hamstring or Lindsay's being evaluated in the protocol all of August, that's pretty much it for him, right? No, no hamstring injury and no concussion protocols. Yep. And then you're better off. Question from Capuana Joe. What position will Prince Collie play? Special teams this year. Yeah, yes. right. yeah. I, I don't sure. see him as a certainly a linebacker factor. I, I don't with the way that they've recruited Rovers. I'm, you know, you there's only so many reps to go around, but this is probably a question for 2022. Yeah, and could they look at him at will eventually? I, I don't know. We'll we'll see about that. Um, could he beat out Isaiah Pryor? Sure. I'm not no, sure well, yeah, I'm not sure that I would be shocked by that. I wouldn't either. But that's a, that's a good point. I mean, that would make him the third team rover. But the second team has the ruptured Achilles, right? That's still the, you know, the se- it's just yeah. like Moala's not set in stone yeah. to be all ready to roll. I mean, I think I think Kaiser's a, a tremendously instinctual football player, and he will he will be the starter. So, Pete, we took some heat uh, in the County Down the Irish series. Priester and I had Kaiser way up, and I think Tom and Kevin had him farther down but tim and i dragged his rating way up to the top 12 right was he, was <laughs> i think he, uh, so yeah yeah and so i we, i just think that jack kaiser is <laughs> a, a solid football player marcus freeman's going to use well all 12 so you yeah, both had hey, kaiser as a top 10 player we had him like a we had him number 11 i think we both have number 11 i can okay. look as you as you discuss Which it is, but yeah i mean that you know it might be a little high it might be a little yeah we're stepping out a little bit there uh, o'malley caused the the real wave <laughs> the the waves yeah. the last few days because he doesn't think Jack Cohn's any good, apparently. I had Jack Cohn in like 16 or 17 because I don't know if you have to be great at quarterback in order to be 11 and 1 this year. That I, I don't, hmm. I don't, I just think there's 16. I have Cade Madden ahead of Jack Cohn. We're not talking about importance. I think a Marshall All American playing guard at Notre Dame can be better than a grad transfer quarterback who wasn't going to start at Wisconsin. Not to be mean. Certainly he but could. I can yeah. Say it. yeah. So, and I had some receivers ahead of Cone, which, you know, if you, if you look at it, if those receivers end up ahead of Cone, I'm probably wrong because Jack Cone probably is the guy throwing to them. Um, yeah. But production goes both ways. Like you can be, you, you know, the negative production from a quarterback in some games or, or average production also counts. It's not all, I mean, of course it goes both ways. People chastise Ian Book for average games and bad games. I don't think Jack Cone's going to have 12 I do, top 10 I, games. I, I was you know, probably I, a little low. I was probably I, a little low. Yeah, but I, but I respect you making that pick because yeah. I do think to a large extent that there's a lot of – there's just a lot of wishing going on that they would they, they sure hope that Jack Cone's better than Ian Book. And, okay, Ian Book rushed for 1,500 uh, – 1,517 yards. Jack Cohn's at minus 11 for his career. And he's, and he's a better runner than minus 11, of course. He is, and, yeah, I think that, that, and I think he will show that, that he is. But he wants to stick in the pocket. We know that. He wants yeah. to stick in the pocket and, and make the throw. And I know it's frustrating. Like, it, I think a lot of times, like, book dropping back to pass and taking off and running for a first down, I think fans are like, oh, you know, that, that – he resorted to that again, and it's after three years of it, especially. That no, was, and, yeah, and I yeah. and I get it because I I had the same feeling many <laughs> times too. You want to see him throw for the first down, but we, we can't I, you look know, at everything. Like, Eleven, and you rush for a first down. The damn change is moving, and you're still on the field. We can't look at everything all year long. Like that play won't beat Alabama, like we've done in the offseason with Jack Cohen. I, you're right; it won't. Okay. Well, neither will Jack Cone, like that. Neither will Jack Cohn's depth, new, you know, newfound depth accuracy that is only a little bit better than Ian Book's over his career, according to every passing chart you can find. I, I like Jack Cohn. Somebody made a joke that he kicked your dog or whatever. I like Jack Cohn. I like Notre Dame's team. I like Notre Dame's team. I think Notre Dame has a good. I think Notre Dame's like top forty is better than their top ten. Does that make sense? 
Like I'm looking at their top 10 and I'm, I think Tim, you mentioned it. I don't want to, you, you no, didn't say this name. I'm going to say the name. I firmly, and you did, we all did had Jason Adamiola nine or 10. And I'm like, Jason Adamiola nine or 10. I mean, I have had years where I'm putting well, Tavon Coney at 10 going into a season well, as what a about, player like that. What about MTA? At, at four. four. <laughs> That's I know, a position boy, we, he hasn't played. Though we all would have had Patterson higher had we thought he was just going to go out there and be the yeah. American center. Yeah. You know, the but center. I, I think your yeah. point is taken. It's not a – when I look at the top ten, I'm like, that's not an overly impressive top ten going But it's into a nice a top 40, you know? You look at yeah. the top 40, like, well, that guy's going to play. How, like, Cam Hart is 31 in our countdown. Like, Cam Hart might be way better than that. We don't know that, though. I mean – yeah, Houston I Griffith is 36. I'm a lot higher because I'm proje- I, yeah, you I are. think he's a starter. And I think, yeah, I think they really, really like them. And I, I last thing on this, the di- and and I think this is forgotten sometimes too. When when we list them, you know, the difference between number nine and number 17 yeah, isn't well, necessarily that great. It's like when I rank the recruits, just because I have a guy, you know, like I I'm 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 forcing Ty Chan to prove himself in game competition. Right. before I move him up. It doesn't mean I don't like him, but I just haven't I haven't seen him dominant in game competition. We're also not whipping year. out and saying tie for fourth for 12 positions. I mean, we're actually ranking the players. You can yeah. always say, like, it, that's the thing. So, so yeah. I will. I don't want to ruin Monday Musings, but here was last year's top 10 preseason. And please remember it was in May, not August. So one name is noticeably missing. Hamilton, Book, Owusu-Koromoa, Ogundeji, Hainsey, Eichenberg, Drew White, uh, MTA, Dalen Hayes, and Kevin Austin. Kyron Williams is Kyron Williams is not in there, but Kyron Williams might not have been in there August first. He clearly would have been in there August thirty first yeah. after yeah. talking to Kevin. Yeah. Right. The real but the, our final top ten was Usu Koromoa, Kyron Williams, Eichenberg and Hamilton, Book and Hainsey, Banks and Ogundeji, Patterson and White. It really wasn't that far off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Austin was the way, way yeah. off, of course. Well, but, you can't yeah. control those. Okay, question from Jack Brophy. Which player has the most unrealistic expectations placed on him and why? Spent 20 minutes talking about Kevin Austin. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Okay, go. all right, that's, that's one. Uh, I'll he's... chime in if you want. <laughs> yeah, he's he's well, one. I mean, he's he's one. He's got a, he hasn't played football much in the last – since Navy in San Diego. He hasn't played much football. How's that? Yeah. Think about no, that. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I, to me, you know, like I, I've heard, I've, I've read a lot of people say, well, maybe Houston Griffith will have that break. Actually, the next question kind of deals yeah. with that. I, I'd like to, I'd like to see a sequence of plays mm-hmm. in practice to, to, to feel that way. Um, okay. Let me, I, I, I think, I think Blake Fisher is going to be great at, at Notre Dame. Uh, but in the first game, they play uh, Florida State, and Florida State has a Georgia transfer at one defensive end, Jermaine Johnson, who's very good. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, Keir Thomas, a South Carolina transfer, who's very good. He's going to see one or both of those guys, and I could see Blake Fisher not looking great in his first game because he's, play- he's playing at Florida State where it's 98 degrees and humidity is 98. And he's making his first career yes. start playing in his first game at Intel Ask. I think there's unrealistic expectations on Blake Fisher if you look at our message board, because somebody actually argued, two people argued, and good posters too, Tim, I will say, argued against us saying Blake Fisher maybe could be number one in our countdown. Oh, come on. Sorry? <laughs> that was my response too. So production I mean, goes I, both ways. Production goes both ways. You get beat, you're not. I mean, production goes both ways. Yeah, I think he's going to be very, very good. I think we should be prepared for moments where he doesn't look real good early in his career, Notre Dame, as a as a starting a left tackle. Presumably. Yeah, yeah. Presumably. I, mean, I think he'll start a left tackle, though. I think Yeah, he, I do too. Yeah, I do too. He looks really good, but I just, you know, this is this is there's some 23-year-old men that are going against him too. Judge Arthur Vandelay, who has the best odds to be this year's Bilal McKinley or Jonas Gray? Houston Griffith or any of the senior wide receivers? I I mean, I, to me, it's the senior wide receivers. I, I agree. Okay, in but terms of, we okay. never would have said Asmar Bilal, so I'll give credit to anybody in that one. Like Asmar Bilal, out of nowhere, <laughs> was really good, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, and I don't. I mean, Jonas Gray. He was always good. He just needed to put it together, right? Jonas yeah. Craig, didn't we? It was better than we thought he would be, but uh, 
Jonas was always a player, right? He just had some. I don't know that I put McKinley in that. I mean, he started slowly last year. Um, You know, I Austin Lindsay Keys. I I would still list Keys third just because of strength and and durability over the course of a Mm thirteen game season. I think he could be helped by the fact that he doesn't have he like Davis will play. Keys will play. Second tight end will play. That might help him that he doesn't have. Well, that's true. Like if, if, yeah. yeah, if he's playing, you know, thirty-five snaps a game. Right. Do you have one Pete besides that's the... workable? I, just the receivers, and I mean, if I had to choose one, I would choose Lindsey because I feel like he's got the most upside of that group. Um, and it's like Austin is just sort of like in his own yeah, category. Yeah. Like I don't even include him in this stuff. Um, but Lindsey is the guy that sort of the older guy making good on potential that's sort of like sparked here or there um, that could have a a huge impact on the offense. That's to me, that's sort of like where Lindsay fits into that max. Tim club Fred 90. Does the recent uncertainty around the college football landscape make it more likely that Jack Swarbrick stays in his athletic director role for longer than he intended? I, I, this is a good question because um, I think the answer is yes. And, And it's, it's a conversation that, Jack Swarbrick and I have had for years. And I, and I really think that, you know, had the pandemic not happened, I think he'd be, you know, a lot closer to, uh, to, to moving on. He is six years older than me. So he's in the, he's, he's in the back half of the sixties here. And, and I, you know, I, I think that he has always felt a real obligation. I know he felt that when the pandemic came around, and I'm sure he feels it now as a guy that is, you know, a, a part of the committee that's recommending uh, expansion of the playoffs. And I, I think the SEC thing is, uh, I, I think he takes it to heart and feels responsible for navigate, helping Notre Dame navigate through these things. I, I agree with what you're saying and get the same vibe from him. Uh, I also feel like there's going to be infinite number of these events from now until like, He's 80 years old. So he's yeah. going yeah, yeah. exactly. to have to pull the plug at some point. Yeah, yeah. like in a far smaller scope, like when is a good time for Brian Kelly other than when he wins the national championship? Like when they go 11-1 and one and have a great team coming back or when he drags a team to 11-1 and one and they have nothing coming back or when they go to the playoffs and get blown out or when they go to the playoffs and win a playoff game. I mean, it's it's hard I to just, say when someone's going to walk away. I think it's way easier for Brian Kelly to find a an exit point than Jack Swarbrick. Yeah, no, I agree. On a smaller scale, Brian Kelly, like yeah. it's still hard to say it. Other than when he if he wins a national title, I guess if yeah. you play for a national title and lose the close game or something. But now we know that we know that occasionally Jack Swarbrick does tune into our podcast. So if he tunes into this one, I'm sure that. I'm sure he's get, really glad he said get, he's yeah, on the back half of 60, unlike you. So there's no. <laughs> oh, you think that was insulting? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But I'm sure he took note of it. So <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jack. Uh, just class of 76. I'm yeah, class of 82. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. We will wrap up with this question and we will be uh, obviously increasing our podcast as we move forward here. We'll be on. We'll be off the every two week schedule and, yeah. and uh, be visiting with our our followers here uh, much more frequently. Final question here today, Scott two four one zero five, putting you on the spot. What's Nordame's record this season? Irish Illustrated, Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley will always post our season game by game predictions. I will say this: they will win more games this year by the end of the season than they won last year by the end of the season. And that is my. Great way of saying they will win. Notre Dame was 10 and 2 last year. They will win more games by the end of the postseason than they won last year by the end of so the season. So they will play at least 13 games. Yes. Play more games. So you're saying they will be at worst 11 and 2. Is that correct? I mean, yeah, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's August yeah. 2nd or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're putting me on the spot, I'll say they win more games at, by at the end worst. of the postseason. I mean, I don't, I don't right. think anybody, any of us are going on a limb saying at worst two losses. Uh, no, I mean, 10 and two is, would be my prediction. And don't ask me to show you the losses because I hate that question. Yeah. <laughs> but well, it's just, I okay. mean, it goes back to what you guys, when you, you're sort of ranking the Irish, like, you know, the top 50 players, it's not, it's not an overwhelming group. Um, nor is the schedule overwhelming. Well, but, yeah. so you got to balance those things. That's a, uh, those are tough. To I just, 
but I mean, we, I think you, you always sort of view the season of like, if everybody's healthy the whole time, well, guess what? That's not how it works. Um, you know, and we've had a segment on that already. So I, it just feels like a 10 and two kind of team, um, with a schedule that's not that great. I, I think that this team would not beat last year's team or the year before that, or the year before that, or the year before that. I feel like of the, of the five years since the reboot, this being the fifth, this is probably the fifth of those five teams. You know, I think that 17 team had too much of a fatal flaw for me to go there, but I do like what you're thinking and that they also had a serious go-to in their offense. Like, yeah. They, yeah, they, they did. Um, and you can't compare everything to the bad games that we Bush had. We got to remember there was some good ones too. Uh, that's a, that's a good question. I, I can't decide on 17 because of the fatal flaw that we figured out during August. If you recall watching them practice. There's a six week stretch. <laughs> There's a six week stretch of five games and it's Wisconsin, Cincinnati at Virginia tech by week, USC, North Carolina. Now, you know, Virginia Tech is the worst of those teams, but it's on the road, and it comes after Wisconsin-Cincinnati. The four toughest teams on Notre Dame's schedule, Wisconsin-Cincinnati, USC, and North Carolina, right? Yep, USC, for yeah, sure. sure, for are sure. All at, are all at home. Ish. Notre Dame yeah. can't win every game at home forever. I think there's a loss in there. I, I think there's a loss in there. And if I had – Don't give it away. August, you get to do this September 3rd or whatever. <laughs> I think there's a loss in there. Yeah, there you go. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. I just that's think a very a, well-read column, by the way, these season-by-season yeah, game-by-game predictions. It's good. It's a tough stretch. And I, is Notre Dame better than every one of those teams in a in a one-on-one, no-other-game matchup? Yeah. yeah. But they're strung together. And I know most of them are at home, but I don't think the streak goes on forever. Um and I think they're I think they're vulnerable in one of those one of those home games just because they're stacked the way they are stacked and it it's not a great schedule, but the the best teams are in that stretch that I'm speaking of. Jack, I'm going to send you the title for the podcast and show me the loss, and we'll go from there. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. Hey, we're going to be. Uh, I assume we'll have some type of instant reporting from Notre Dame on Saturday, uh, which is pretty awesome to think about because we it's been a long yeah, time I get, yeah. well we did what we did for Syracuse because we both were allowed to go to the Syracuse game and we, we oh yeah uh, that's right did, we did who could forget that one yeah, did, you yeah, not, that did you not watch that one yeah. no. no I meant the Syracuse game yeah. Yeah. yeah so hey you know I mean we're all looking forward to it, it it'll be I don't think our, you know our access isn't going to be as as open as it once was but I think we're easing back in that direction and uh Looking forward to having a conversation with Brian Kelly on Saturday. Thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.